Hey, everybody. My name is Justin Murphy, and this is the Other Life Podcast, where I talk with indie creators, digital hustlers, and unique internet personalities about how to escape from institutional conformity and succeed on the internet instead. To learn more about the Other Life Project, go to otherlife.co. That's otherlife.co. And if you like what I'm doing, I just have one quick favor to ask. Please go and just leave a review in iTunes. It really helps others find the show, and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and a big shout out, especially to my patrons. I could not do this without you all. So thanks. And now, on to the show. All right, what's up, people? Just thought I'd jump back on the stream, hang out with you all. I have received a few questions from people since my last stream. So, you know, I try to do my best to answer questions, but email can be a lot of work and I'm up to my neck in email. So thought I'd jump on here and discuss some questions that have been sent me since the last time I was on here. First, I should probably give you a little bit of a life update. I am in Montana. I've been here for a few months now. It's been interesting. It's beautiful for sure, but you know, it's very isolated out here. I think if I was going to live in Montana, I would need to bring out here a bunch of crazy people, kind of like Kanye in in uh, Wyoming. Kanye's got a big ass compound, brings out all his, you know, his whole crew, his whole entourage. Uh, that I could get down with, but being out here with just you and your wife, it's not the best, honestly. Maybe if I was older and I wanted to retire or something, it's probably a badass place to just be chill, go fishing, enjoy nature, go on hikes and shit. But uh, I'm still pretty young. I'm still hungry. I'm not ready to. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to drop out of society yet. I want to take over society, so I'm going back into the city. I'm going to Austin. <laughs> Everyone's going to Austin, uh, but it's just for the honest reason that I have a bunch of friends there and going to see, going to see what we get up to. We have the ability to move around. So we might as well. It's, we love it in Montana. It's super cool, but we just want to keep moving. We want to keep seeing if there's somewhere a little bit better for us. And uh, yeah, I know a lot of cool people in Austin. It's not super expensive yet, though. It's definitely going to be, uh, there's definitely a massive migration there, which I'm a part of, but be that as it may. Anyway, so that's just a little bit of a life update for me. I uh, haven't been doing a lot of live streaming simply because I actually love the medium. I love the art of live streaming, which is why I'm doing it now. I wanted to jump back on here because I genuinely enjoy it. But it's just a, all of the things I do in my larger repertoire of activities. It's just not the most important or valuable to me right now. I mean, the truth is, folks, I'm about one and a half years out from leaving academia. And I've just been working nonstop pretty much been seriously, honestly, just hustling super hard, trying to build viable long-term operations that are going to be profitable and into the future with real growth potential. You know, I'm 34 years old. I don't have too much time to fuck around. You know, in your twenties, you can kind of fuck around and you don't, you know, you're not, you don't have to make money. Uh, you can spend your whole twenties just kind of jumping around, living in cheap apartments and even you know, fit in with other people and be like fairly quote unquote successful. 
But by the time you're 34, you know, you're married, you want to have a kid. We don't have a kid yet. Uh, these things become more important as you get older, you know, and uh, I feel the clock ticking a little bit, but it's good. I feel it in a good way. I have to hustle. I have to make real things happen. And I like the challenge. So the point is, the point is though, the reason I'm just telling you this is that, you know, it means I can't just dick around on uh, making like whatever YouTube videos. I need like a serious strategies. I need serious long-term value propositions that I'm trying to build. Patreon's cool and all. And I mean, big shout out to my patrons as always my ride or die fans. I fucking love you all. And, uh, Patreon's cool for sure. It's very empowering. It's a great kind of stepping stone from some kind of institutional oppression to uh, a liberated creative internet existence, but it's only a stepping stone for a very few number of people. It can be the main gig like, like Anna and Dasha and, and some other people we know, but it's for most people, if you're really ambitious and you want to build bigger things in the culture, uh, Patreon is generally going to be a stepping stone to bigger and better things. So yeah, I've just been spending all my time working nonstop, trying to build pretty much other life as a media operation. Other life is now essentially a media company. As far as I'm concerned, it's a multi-channel media company, got the YouTube, got the podcast, got the blog, and most importantly, got the email newsletter, which unlike what a lot of people are doing, I'm keeping my newsletter free. I'm not trying to do the whole monetized paid Substack thing. Uh, I just, for a certain type of person, it's fine. But for me, no, nah, I want to I want to grow that email list uh, to the moon. And the best way to do that is to keep it free. And I've actually been working pretty hard on making it really good. So I published a weekly newsletter now every Friday. And it's pretty fire, honestly. I'm I'm I, I'm starting to find my niches, my my curatorial angles that I think are just really unique. And I hear this from people. So a lot of feedback on that, and it's growing fast. It's like some, it's like 4,500 people now. It was only like 3,000, like less than a year ago. So um, it's growing. No, what am I saying? It was, it was like, no, what am I saying? It was like a thousand a year ago. So it's growing fast. And uh, yeah, so I have this multi channel media operation essentially is what other life is becoming. It's becoming a proper media company. And that's the future of other life. So yeah, uh, the live streams are awesome. And I'm definitely going to keep doing them. Like here I am for no reason whatsoever, really just to connect with people, share what I'm thinking. Uh, I love, I love the live informal aspect of it. And, uh, you all who listen to and watch the live stream are, you know, some of my earliest fans. So, uh, love you all for sure. I'm never going to give up on these live streams just in the larger ensemble of my need to build a larger profitable media operation and more generally a business operation so that I can actually be a successful human being and, you know, make decent money and have kids and also just have a badass life and fuck with people more powerfully, <laughs> uh, have more impact on the culture. Yeah. I'm hungry. I want to build a, I want to build, I want to build a business, a legit business. I want to, I want to really attack the culture. And, uh, yeah, that's where I've been. That's where I've been. I just have my head down. I've been doing like super tedious shit nonstop for, um, like the past several months for as long as I can remember pretty much building the backend systems for other life as a media operation. And then also at the same time, building indiethinkers.org, which is essentially now a separate brand. So I'm basically running two businesses in a way and uh, they're, they're winning. I'm doing well now. So I can kind of come up for air is how I feel. I've kind of got everything worked out just well enough that everything basically runs pretty well. People are happy. I'm pretty confident. Both things are 
in great shape and ready to grow. So yeah, it just took a long time to build. Basically building businesses takes a ton. You just have to put your head down and do tedious labor a lot, like uh, many days in a row, trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work and trying to genuinely provide value to people. You know, that's the major difference between just doing, being like a random live streamer and building a media businesses uh, or any kind of businesses, you know, figuring out how to actually identify what it is you are uh, delivering, like the actual value that people want and being able to give that in the best way possible in a way that you can, you can communicate clearly and actually making the experience really good for um, the people who come into your, into your systems. It takes a ton of work. Anyway, I'm not complaining. It's been awesome. I'm, I'm super proud of, I'm super proud of it. Indie thinkers is now like uh, in good shape. It's profitable. And basically as we come up on the new year, I, one of the reasons I wanted to jump on the stream is because I wanted to kind of just do a live informal brain dump for you all on like, yeah, what, what's been going on with me and what I'm thinking and what I, what my plans are for the next year or so. So, and, and some other ideas too. I want, yeah, I have a, a bunch of questions people have sent me an email and stuff like that. And I, I always feel bad when I don't have the time to get to email. So figured I just put them in a document and I'll just answer them all kind of rapid fire live. So I got a lot of, a lot of questions here about crypto, about YouTube, about academia, about Patreon and about my brand and the future of my brand. So yeah, these are the kinds of questions I have. So uh, they'll all be a great opportunity. They'll give me an opportunity to reflect in, on a bunch of these things and update you all on a bunch of these things. And this is all live. I mean, I, I don't have a an extremely formal grand plan, but uh, I have a pretty, pretty, for me, a relatively refined vision for, you know, the Murphyverse over the, over 2021 at least, and probably beyond. Got a question here in the chat. Um, someone asks, uh, when can they expect the Leo Strauss course? The Leo Strauss course is happening in January. It's official, it's legit. There's actually a link in the description. You can uh, get the syllabus if you wanna check that out and start doing the readings. It's gonna be lit. Michael Millerman, super, he's super legit, super good. Um, he's gonna do the lectures. This will be the first course I host and run that I'm not the lecturer for, but he's very, very good. So I think people will like that. Anyway, I think I should just get to these questions because uh, there's a lot of them. So if you have any questions, by the way, that you want me to tackle on the next next time I jump on here, I also put a link in the description so you can just contact me at otherlife.co slash contact. All right. So uh, first question here, what percentage of my net worth is in crypto? So... I'm not even sure I know what my net worth is. It's not pretty folks. Like I, I don't come from a wealthy family. I never made a ton of money. Even when I was a professor in England, like starting salaries as a professor in England, they're really, really modest. And a, a good chunk of that goes to taxes. A good chunk of that goes to the NHS, which, which is nice and all, but I've never made a ton of cash in my life. And uh, neither is my wife. So um, we're okay. We're fine, but our net worth, it ain't pretty. Also we're millennials because, so, you know, uh, we have a significant amount of student debt, both of us only average really, but that that's massive. So, I mean, a lot of millennials, even fairly successful millennials are, have close to negative net worths because of student debt. So with that as a caveat, what percentage of my net worth is in crypto? Um, this is very ballpark. I haven't looked at these numbers in a little while. And frankly, not to to my own horn or anything, but they're definitely changing rapidly. Like my online courses now make a decent chunk of change. So 
Uh, I'd actually have to look to see how much how much cash we have in the bank. Um, it's it's way more now than it was even like a year ago. So I have to I have to double check this, but it's something like roughly, very roughly. I have I have student debt of like twenty thousand dollars. I probably have like twenty thousand dollars cash, like in the bank, and then I have like twenty thousand dollars in crypto. <laughs> that's 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 my financial situation. That's it. That's all there is to it, pretty much at this point, give or take. It's very ballpark. But um, so what does that even mean for net worth? Like I've never had enough money to actually worry about how to calculate this correctly. So basically, my cash holdings probably uh, cancel out my student debt. So in some sense, you could say all I have is twenty thousand dollars in crypto. That's that's all I got. <laughs> so my my net worth is arguably a hundred percent in crypto. However, you want to chop that up. Now I know what you're thinking, Justin. Why don't you take your cash and pay down your student debt? Yeah, definitely thinking about it. Definitely. I've been actually reading a lot about personal finance and I'm, I'm definitely, definitely getting my act together on all this shit. I'm too old to have put this stuff off for so long. You know, kids, if you're out there, get serious about personal finance when you're 20, learn about compound growth. If you get, if you get just basically solid with your spending, your saving, all that good stuff and investing in your twenties, um, you're going to be set. In my case, I actually understand all those basics. <laughs> I like read a lot of personal finance books when I was young and I, I never had a problem. I've never had a problem with spending. I've always lived within my means. That's never been a problem. I've just never been very motivated by money. And, you know, I've spent most of my life just reading and chilling and writing and being a crazy man on the internet. But now, you know, it's do or die for me. I got to sink or swim, baby. I got to build a business that goes to the moon or I'm going to be a loser and a failure. So I'm getting more serious about all these things. But look, folks, the reason I'm ultimately kind of chill is because I'm winning and I know I'm going to win. And that's something that we're going to talk a little bit about. I'm going to tell you a little bit about like the la the larger, longer term game plan for like all my operations because it is coming into focus. All right. So that answers that question. Um, let's see. The other question here is, is the future of academia on YouTube or is it somewhere else or is it on many platforms? So my theory here is basically that all of the big contemporary social media platforms and I'll include YouTube as broadly social media, they are all going to be decimated into smaller platforms, I think. Or, you know, think about it this way, perhaps they'll stick around, perhaps we might have large scale centralized, uh, you know, flagship media platforms, social media platforms, but it'll be in the same way that we still have network television, right? There's still ABC, NBC, CBS, but the power and influence of these big national TV networks has obviously uh, decreased significantly over time to the point that they're almost not even real players in our culture, right? So I think you're going to see a similar thing with YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, and probably Instagram too. So I think what that means is they're going to stick around. They're, they're massive operations, and they're going to have a lot of inertia, right? So I'm not saying that these are that these platforms are going anywhere anytime soon. They're going to stick around, but all of the action is migrating off of these platforms. It's already happening. Uh, it's just not as visible. So, you know, New York times journalists don't really know how to measure it. They don't know how to write about it. It's not very sensational from a contemporary journalistic media perspective. So people significantly underestimate this. Most intellectual discussion nowadays is completely off of public channels. It's private DM groups on Twitter, it's Slack channels, it's private communities such as indiethinkers.org, and so many other, it's DM groups, right? It's it's iMessage 
chats, it's Telegram channels, it's Discord groups, all private, private spaces. So all people today who are thinking genuine, sophisticated thoughts about what's really going on in society, almost all of them are doing that privately for the obvious reason that just political correctness is, is too high of a tax. You literally can't think about any anything or communicate anything interestingly in public. So of course people don't do it there. So Clubhouse is another big one right now. A ton of smart people will talk about really interesting stuff on Clubhouse. It's all going private. So when you take that trend and you take that for what it's worth, then something that you just kind of fast forward and you can see is that I think this is just going to accelerate to a possibly extreme degree in which private communities actually become more developed as businesses, as self-sustaining structures, possibly even with distributed stakeholder or distributed equity arrangements, which crypto could very well play a role in, in facilitating. So if you look at Indie Thinkers, for instance, I've been building IndieThinkers.org for about a year now, and we have um, something like almost 70 paying members. And I now spend pretty much all of my time in Indie Thinkers talking with these other like smart, independently minded people. Like people are not on teams, people are not in tribes, there's left wing people, right wing people. And we just genuinely try to figure out what's really going on basically. And to have that with people that you admire and trust, where it's independent and you know there are no particular systematic biases, of course there are individual biases, but where they're balanced out by genuinely independent, uncorrelated truth seeking minds, that is one of the most valuable things in the world. That's why, you know, people sometimes ask like, you know, Justin, why do you charge so much for indie thinkers? Cause I asked for 450 bucks a year and I'm like, no, actually you don't realize where the world is going $450 a year for what you get is actually super cheap. And I think you're going to learn this moving forward because it's essentially a matter of mental, mental hygiene and having the ability to have an accurately calibrated mental model of like what's really going on because you interact with smart, thoughtful and independently uncorrelated minds. That literally is a multiplier for anything you want to do in life. Because if you have stupid ideas and you have a false mental model of the world, you're fucked. You're never going to be able to accomplish anything. You're going to be constantly making mistakes, pursuing wrong avenues. And um, yeah, so basically what I've learned through building Indie Thinkers is that quality private community is fire. It's so valuable. It's just undeniably valuable. It's obvious. It's not obvious to people who are out, who aren't like in this trend yet. You have to really be in it to understand how bad all of public communications are right now and how good private social communications can be if organized correctly. And this is why I'm putting a lot of effort. That's why you haven't seen me on the live stream in a while. I'm spending a ton of time trying to build the ideal model with the right systems and structures for the, the best possible independent private community of independent thinkers, because there's literally nothing more valuable than having accurate ideas with independent uncorrelated minds. And you notice I keep saying uncorrelated. I'm not even saying geniuses. I'm not saying super high IQ. That's not actually the most valuable thing when it comes to trying to have a healthy intellectual community. Because if you have a, a bunch of super high IQ geniuses, but they're all susceptible to trends and certain kinds of uh, social pressures, then it's useless, right? Because they're just going to get captured and carried away by some kind of contemporary fashion that makes them go off in some weird direction. You know, social fashion and social pressures are some of the, the greatest threats to uh, a healthy uh, intellectual ecosystem. So that's why I'm generally trying to optimize for independent, uncorrelated minds where everyone's smart, um, but at 
in different ways from different perspectives and with different biases that for a community, I think that's trying to figure out the truth, whether that be in philosophy or science or where the world is going to, to figure out what to do next in our own individual lives or collective lives. That is uh, by far the most valuable thing. And I don't think a lot of people appreciate that. And it's very early days for figuring out what exactly is the ideal structure. Like what should a private community look like? What kinds of systems should it have? How often should you meet? In what ways should you meet? What you should, what should you do when you meet? Um, you know, th this is all blank slate. We're like very early days in figuring out these things. And for what it's worth, my wager is that the whole Substack phenomenon you're seeing now where people are doing very well and all the power to them, that though is going to become community. You can already see it because the best paid Substack writers, what a lot of people want to pay them for is access to the comments, to the community. They get uh, a kind of identity. At, they, they, it's, it has to do with identity, but it also just has to do with the network. And again, they want to actually communicate with smart people that they can trust. And they want that independent mind and they want to be connected with other people like in the comments of the Substack that are high quality and independent and sophisticated. So you can already see that a, a major chunk of why people pay for Substack newsletters is actually the community aspects baked in, but you don't really notice that. It, it's not really clear. These things are bundled. So you can't really tell what people are really paying for, but that's my thesis. And so I think what you're going to see is that um, the most successful Substack authors are going to become community builders, just like I am. And actually there's another question here um, that someone sent me. They said, um, where do I locate myself in relation to other professionals who are becoming indie creators, uh, such as journalists going on to Substack? Uh, look, not going to toot my own horn or anything, but they're follow like, okay, I don't, I don't want to be, I, I was going to exaggerate and like, uh, you know, kind of, uh, give you some bravado, but I won't, I mean, I'm just, I'm way ahead of them. It's all, it's all I'm going to try to say. Basically. I mean, I did this like a year and a half ago. I quit academia to go independent because I saw that the, the opportunities would be greater. What do you think Matt Iglesias is seeing right now? What do you think Matt Taibbi is saying, seeing right now? What do you think all the Substack authors, uh, all the people, Barry Weiss, all these people who are like leaving their uh, prestigious institutional perch to go independent. What do you think they're seeing? Why do you think they're doing it? It's the same exact thing that I did a year and a half ago when I quit academia to build my own uh, Patreon and then build my own uh, you know, blog and podcast and private community. What I think they don't quite see yet, which I, again, not to toot my own horn, but I think I'm about one and a half years ahead of them, basically. What they don't quite see yet is that they're essentially going to be community operators and they'll figure that out. And yeah, but I'm going to figure it out first. And that's what I'm doing with indie thinkers basically. So that's how, that's how I locate myself in relation to these other professionals. Uh, they're, they're following my lead, not explicitly. I, I mean, I mean, many of them know who I am, but, uh, no, I'm not saying that they're literally copying me, but we're all seeing the same movements, I believe. And yeah, I will brag a little bit about being early on that. All right, what else? We got some other questions here. <clears throat> oh yeah, so what I wanted, I just wanted to follow up on the final bit of, of an answer to that question about is the, you know, is the future of academia on YouTube? So no, I don't think the future of academia is on YouTube. The future of academia, the future of all things is going to be in private communities basically. And so I think what, here's what's gonna happen. The people that are most advanced on figuring out how to create valuable, awesome private communities they're going to have some of the best cultural businesses 
basically, because it's it's a kind of a combination of a media business and a network and a culture. It's 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 a weird and new kind of machine, and things get especially interesting when it, when it, when you think about community business models. When you realize that what a community really is is a whole bunch of human capital that you can organize in all different types of ways. And I think where things get really exciting is when you think about communities learning to empower all the members in such a way that they all essentially have equity in the value of the community. So this, this I think is where things are really going. And the, and the reason this matters for this question is the future of academia on YouTube. No, the future of academia and the future of everything is going to be walled in within niches basically. So there's going to be every, there's going to be a community for every possible niche and how far down niches can be refined, like how many niches there can be is an open question. I think we're going to find out and I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting uh because <coughs> it's it could be way more than you think. So like right now what do you have? You have like yoga communities, you have gamer communities, you have intellectual communities. Well, is there a future in 10 years where you have yoga gamer communities? Is there a future where you have people who are interested in vegan cooking who are also interested in writing fiction? Is that going to be its own community? Because think about it. You only really need a few thousand people to have a very profitable and tight-knit, valuable, supercharged community, right? So there's no telling really how how far down the refinement level the nichification of communities can go but how however that plays out the people that are the first movers on building and owning community spaces like for instance i'm going to own the entire niche of independent intellectuals that is what i represent that's what people know me for and i'm just way earlier than anyone else and i'm built and i'm organizing all the other people in the world who are doing independent philosophy and science and art and genuine long-term highbrow truth-seeking work essentially but they don't want to do it in inside of institutions they're going to do it independently and they want to do it on the internet every i'm going to own that just because i'm first it's not because i'm better than anyone at all it's just because i'm building the systems and structures before anyone else is really realizing uh how these cultural dynamics are playing out and because i'm known for this and i'm respected for this so i'm going to own that and but when i say own it's not about me it's like it's only going to be good and valuable for me or anyone else because of the awesome people that I'm going to organize into this community. And it's going to provide value to those members, but then those values, those members are going to provide value to the community. And so there's, it's, it's really hard to fathom actually how much value there is in that social in, in dense, intimate, genuine, authentic social relationships, but also the social capital and the human resources that get unleashed when you actually have a bunch of people who like each other, who identify with each other, working towards shared goals in genuine, authentic, creative uh, ways. So that like what when we talk about quote unquote community or building community businesses or whatever, we're actually talking about a fundamentally new kind of business structure that is probably going to put to shame all other previous community structures. That's how I'm thinking about it anyway. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I mean, I can give you this is all from personal experience because my head is so into indie thinkers right now. So like we have awesome members who are uh, really capable, really well-read in philosophy or science. They're smart, they're cool, they're funny, and they're brilliant. But maybe they just don't have a large audience, right? 
and I have a decently sized audience, which I'm focused on, on growing continually. So think about that. All I need to do is give them my audience and let them play jazz. They can build their own projects. They can do their own work. And that's a, a really good trade, right? I can give them my audience and they can give me, you know, they can just give to my audience and give to my community all of the value that they're able to represent. So for instance, I'm doing like philosophy and science courses and they're making good money. Uh, this is a, a very solid business. It's a pretty straightforward business model doing high value courses and just charging, you know, a, a, a good chunk of change for them. Well, guess what? I now have in my community, you know, which is, you know, I say community, really this like net, network decentralized business structure. I have people who, oh, you're good at philosophy. You can teach your course in my school now and you can make a ton of money and I'll make a little bit off of that. And the community will all make a bit off of that. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of dynamic that community really refers to. And the people who figure that out, who are able to engineer this most effectively are going to be the gazillionaires of, of the next couple of decades. That's what I think. And look, I'm not, I don't want to be a CEO. I'm, I'm only doing this shit because I have to do it. I want to just be reading and writing and, and, and writing books and, 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 recording podcasts and, and talking about, uh, what I, what I think, but I'm just doing this cause I have to, uh, this is like the situation I find myself in. So yeah, I'll hustle for a few years and I'll build these structures and I'll figure out these things to the best of my ability. Uh, but frankly, I don't want to be a media magnate. That's not my calling. Uh, I just want to build this stuff up well enough. I want to figure it out and engineer it well enough that, you know, I'll, I want to make like, you know, in, within the next few years, I want to be making, you know, I don't know, $300,000 a year or something like that. And then I want to get a CEO and, and hire business people to do all this shit. Uh, so yeah, that's basically where I think this is all going. I think community, I think community businesses are going to be the thing. I think they're a crazy form of genuinely shared value creation that people still don't fully understand. I I'm not saying I've completely figured it out. I can just intuit that it's there and I'm doing my best to figure it out, but I don't think I'm going to be the guy who is the, is the genius businessman. I'm not, I'm not a businessman, but I'll do it if I have to. And I'm doing pretty well so far. So that's what I would say. Um, so everything is going to be, I, I think everything is going to happen within these communities. And also this kind of intersects with my ideas about reality forking. If you read my essay on, on reality forking, it's a three part essay on my blog. Uh, if you go to otherlife.co, this is a really important background idea here because look, <clears throat> our mainstream public society is completely over. Like, do you realize this? People cannot talk with each other anymore. Like turn on the nightly news. It's all chaos. It's all retarded. It makes no sense. And people can't make sense to each other. So I don't think, you know, people on some level know this and some level can talk about this, but I still think a lot of people don't understand how bad it is and don't understand the stakes involved. Um, the fact of the matter is that we will never as a collective shared society be able to communicate as a whole together again ever i think like you're only going to be able to make sense out of anything with a relatively small number of people in your niche in your subset of society and that's why right now it's really important to find your subset in society you have to figure out right now who you're going to hit your wagon to um because if you pick the wrong group in 20 years you might find yourself you know you know you might you might fi find yourself a uh a transsexual stemmed out, uh, Latino Chinese hooker, uh, who just got 
iced by a turn cop. <laughs> I know I totally botched that, but uh, you're not. It's not going to be good if you if you if you don't um, hit your wagon to the right people. If you don't like calibrate your sense of the world and what's really going on to the right people, you're going to be screwed. And I think people are going to realize this. And th and that's when I think you're going to see the price of communities go way way up uh, because everything required to navigate in life today successfully is going to be a function of who you know privately like what you think the words you use the projects you work on whether you're even capable of working on projects or you're just a kind of depressed bummed out isolated atomized person who's doing nothing like all of these things are essentially going to be a function of what community you are embedded in so you better pick the right community and you better you better start building community now uh, you know, and you can do it yourself. Like it's early. Like the, this would be my real call to arms is start building communities. You know, obviously you're welcome to join mine, but um, if you, if you can start your own, if you have your own vision, like by all means, that's, that's better. You should, you should build your own community. Um, and, and yeah, get ready for the increasing cultural chaos. Cause if you think Trump was crazy, it's only just begun. I promise you. I mean, it's going to get so crazy. I'm not even saying it's necessarily going to get worse because I don't I don't necessarily think that. I actually think the reality fragmentation and the reality forking that we're observing, this mass chaos at the aggregate cultural level, at the national levels, and even the international level, I'm kind of, uh, I actually think that's going to be a good thing because I think most of that stuff is rotten. So all that stuff's going to increasingly burn out and collapse. But uh what it's going to do is it's going to actually force people like me, people like you all, people who are genuinely kind of who have genuine, authentic intellectual visions and can be honest with themselves and others and who can put in the hard work to actually build negentropic structures uh, to withstand some of the chaos. It's going to be better and better for people who can do that. Uh, so if you can do that, definitely do it. Start now because it's still early. Like I said, even the successful Substack authors like these people who are doing fairly well in the in the in the creator communities, um, a lot of them, you know, don't. I don't think they have a real strong read on on the future of these things. Okay, so a lot of this points to a lot of this points to uh, something that someone a lot of people have been asking me about because I've been talking about it a lot lately, which is crypto. One of the reasons that I'm increasingly bullish on crypto is because it just intersects so powerfully and directly with these larger cultural dynamics that I'm talking about with reality forking with the prominence of, of community and the, and the, the importance and significance of community for just simply navigating and, and surviving uh, a reality forked society. Crypto pretty much provides this revolutionary new way that individuals can share value in this highly decentralized distributed way with no overseers. So, I won't go into the 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 crypto 101 on how distributed ledgers and all of that stuff works, uh, but take my word for it when I say that. And one of the best examples is this phenomenon of social tokens. So some of you might have heard back in like 2017 when there were a lot of you know what they call ICOs, initial coin offerings, where people would basically launch a new token. The tokens are generally made on the Ethereum blockchain and hype it up. Say this is going to be super valuable. Everyone buy this, ramp up the price because people were getting confident and excited about it. And then they would just dump it. They would sell it all. They would make a lot of money themselves. And then they'd leave the people holding the coin uh, uh, broke. 
So it's basically a kind of exploitation scheme. And there were tons of this. Uh, there, there were many examples of this in around 2017 in what's known as the ICO craze. So that all kind of went away and uh, it was a big disaster. And it was, a, it was a really bad look for for crypto and for the, the potential of, you know, autonomous economies is essentially what it, what it is. Autonomous currencies or or community economies. It was a really bad look. However, there's this new wave and it's really quite interesting. There's a few new startups in this space and there's a few new creators in this space. There's a few new communities in the space that are doing currencies, their own tokens on the Ethereum blockchain. So basically they have their own money, their own branded money, essentially, just for the people in the community, just for the, whether it be the fans of a creator or uh, some kind of interest group or interest-based community more broadly. There are many different examples of it right now where people are creating their own tokens, their own social currencies, and those social currencies are being used within communities. And those social currencies have real value on the open market. So you can actually trade them for US dollars uh, or whatever you want on open markets. So this is super interesting to me and super exciting to me uh, because it pr it's proof that the ICO craze and all the scams were really just you know a, a bad, a bad situation, a early failure, uh, an early kind of, it's often the case that exploiters and scammers and con artists get to things early, right? Just because dubious people are always looking for a way to exploit some uncertainty to make money, right? So that's just, I think, an unfortunate fact, but th there's nothing essential about the, the ability to create your own currency, your own token, that lends itself to that. I think it was probably just a blip. I think that's what we're learning now because there are successful people. So one of the questions that I was asked is, um, let's see, what social currencies am I looking at? Uh, what what are some examples of the ones that make me really confident and interested in this? Well, one is whale. Uh, if you look at the whale token, the market cap is like 20 million or something like that. It's crazy. And uh, it's an active community. And that shit's awesome. And, and it's not going anywhere either. It's clearly, it's been around for some time. They clearly have a kind of long-term uh, intention there. And there's a genuine strategy and a genuine kind of uh, basis to the value of the whale token. You can Google it. If you Google like CoinGecko whale, you'll be able to see like the stats. And what they're doing in that case is he basically is backing. I'm assuming it's a he, I don't know. I think he's kind of anonymous, but the, Social currency whale, which is worth millions of dollars market cap, the price is not millions of dollars, but market cap. It's backed by um, other digital assets, namely non-fungible tokens, which which is a different kind of asset. But basically, it's backed by real by real assets uh, that people believe are going to be worth something. So you're just seeing much more creative, I think, and genuine kind of value propositions being experimented with, and it seems to be working. Another example is one called FWB, Friends with Benefits is what it stands for. Um, it, this is the one made by the guy Trevor, who is the guy who made the Lil Michaela uh, CGI influencer. This guy's a genius. I, I'm a big admirer of that guy. He's just, he's a hustler, he's super creative, and he's done a bunch of badass things. Uh, he's the guy behind FWB, and all he does is my understanding is it basically just is linked to a discord. So to get into the discord and to have privileges in the discord, you have to hold a certain amount of FWB. So that's another 
common practice that you're seeing now where there is real value backing these currencies and it's often just of the form of access to some to the community and then people within the community might tip them might tip each other so you you know within the community you might if you need help with something you might pay someone a certain amount of the community token to do something for you that kind of thing anyway that guy trevor i'm uh i'm i'm quite interested in him and i admire him and i think the way he's doing fwb it's inspires it inspires a lot of confidence in me i i think it's really interesting and promising and then just another example there are many but uh this kid alex who i think i'm actually connected to uh fairly closely through the on deck people i think he did the on deck launch house and i know a bunch of people in that gang like brett and eric uh, so i've never met alex but he's another one of these people who's uh really you know playing around with this stuff quite seriously and promisingly he did a kind of personal IPO, I think, where he basically said, look, this token is going to represent me and all my work and my future earnings. So if you believe in me and you want to invest in me, buy this token. I think it's the idea of that. And that's a totally different model also. And uh, I think he raised something like $20,000, which is like a little, it's like a little investment round uh, for himself. And again, he's not like, it's not some kind of scam where he's trying to hype it up and then he's trying to ditch it. He's like, this is a long-term thing. It's going to, this Alex token is going to track his value and his worth and his kind of perceived, his perceived value uh, for a long time, I think. At least that's his intention as I understand it. So anyway, I'm going to do a token. I've already said on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, I'm definitely going to do one. I'm sufficiently convinced this is super cool and interesting and there are demonstrable ways to do it right and create a lot of value for you and your community. The reason I want to do it, honestly, um, because I'm building businesses, right? So I'm pretty confident I'm going to win. I'm pretty confident I'm doing well financially and I'm going to do increasingly well financially. So I'm not looking for money right now. Honestly, the truth is I'm looking for ways to make my audience money. I want to make my fans and my and just my friends, uh, just my relationships. Uh, I want to make money for them. Again, community. Like when I say community, it's not a euphemism. Community is when you genuinely try to figure out structures and systems where you can create as much value as possible for other people so that they in turn want to do that for you. Like when you genuinely see that authentic positive sum game and you realize there are technologies where you can actually align those incentives in a rigorous way so that the more value I give to the community, the more money I make and the more value someone else gives to me and the community, the more money they make, th that is a fucking rocket ship. That's like game over, crazy new thing. If you can actually lock that down in a decentralized autonomous way. That's not, this is not like a speculation. It's not like, oh, that's a cool idea. That's like, this is revolutionary, game-changing social engineering, essentially. Uh, so it's not cheap talk. It's not like, you know, it's, it's not even speculative. It's like, that is, if, if you can get this kind of thing churning, that's the hard part, the social engineering aspect of, getting it off the ground in a way that uh people understand and can use and that's wh where the best critique comes in you know the, you could say it's just too early uh you know crypto tokens are just not yet accessible enough maybe it's too difficult for people to use those are all fine critiques those are all reasons why this type of thing might not be ready yet i don't know but it's it, to me it seems like it's absolutely coming it's inevitable that it's coming and i just want to be early so i would rather be early and my social token not worth that much, but I understand all the systems, all the technology for when in five years, then it becomes normal. And 
you're one of the first movers. So your token or your currency is going to be worth more in the long run. So that's the way that I'm more thinking about it. So uh, to me, the greatest promise of social tokens is basically, I don't want patrons anymore. I want investors. If you like my work and you've been throwing me five bucks a month for the past year on Patreon, I want to, and, and I think I'm going to be rich and I'm going to really succeed. I want to fucking make you rich. That's what is at stake here. Like that's what's super powerful and exciting to me. I don't, frankly, I don't want donations. Like no disrespect to people who need donations or whatever, but like I'd rather create real value and share that value with other people. I want to create so much value that other people can have a share of it. And me and all my friends can get rich. Like that's the dream, right? Um, and to me, social tokens represent this possibility. Again, it is early days. Again, I'm still doing research. I'm still thinking about it. I don't, I don't fully have my my strategy or my game plan or my white paper uh, drafted. But to me, I'm sufficiently convinced that uh, social tokens, or in other words, like branded community tokens on the Ethereum blockchain, are one of the most exciting ways for communities to co-create value and to actually share in that value. So concretely, you might be wondering, okay, you're talking real abstract, Justin, but what does this look like in practice? Here's what it looks like in practice. I'm going to create a social token. Um, and what that means is I'm going to have like a million dollars in some like branded token, like call it Murphy coin or whatever. Uh, or maybe, you know, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when, when the, when the ticker is decided when the name of the, when the name, well, okay. I'll actually tell you something, which I haven't told anyone. I already have the social token. It's already minted. There is a token in existence that is mine and represents my project and my community and my audience. I'm just going slow and I'm thinking about what to do with it. I want to have a strategy. I don't do things unless I know what I'm doing and I have a clear mental model of how to do it right. I don't fuck around. So uh, I'm still doing a little bit of research. I'm still making my game plan, but it's already minted. I, 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 I have a token and here's what it looks like. I just give it to my fans, to my audience, to my collaborators, to my colleagues. And what that means is in, in short, you now own a little bit of equity in me pretty much. But again, it's not just me. These things are intrinsically community. So it's like you own equity in my network, really. And you, you know, we own equity in each other in a way. So that's all there is to it. If I am the proud owner of 1 million Justins, then, you know, if you've been, if you've been giving me $5 a month on Patreon for the past year, okay, I'll give you 10,000 Justins. And yeah, in the early days, maybe it's not worth that much. Who knows? Maybe it'll even be worth something right away. You never know. Uh, but that's what I'm figuring out. That's what I'm going to try to optimize and strategize for the launch. But but if I do better and better, or my projects do better and better, or my network becomes more and more valuable, and there's more valuable, cool people around me doing valuable things, then that the value, the, the real tradable actual economic value of that token of that 10,000 Justins that you own is actually going to increase also. So it's just obvious to me that this is so much better than bullshit patronage. And when I say that, I mean, like, uh, if you're a patron, please do stay a patron. Um, it's not like a huge chunk of my income, but it's, it's enough that I would miss it if it were to all disappear. So, so hang on with the Patreon. But what I'm going to do is I'm basically going to, for everyone who's been supporting my work, 
or who's been a part of anything I've done, I'm going to just give you tokens basically. And then you're going to have a share in my future success, but also in the future success of everyone else in, in the community. So yeah, like I said, I have to think about the details. I need to think about what kind of structures I'm going to create, but look, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little secret, which I haven't really shared yet. Cause I haven't really hammered it out yet, but there are two things I'm, I know for sure that I'm going to do in this, in this mix up. Cause look, the fact is I've been spending, I I've spent like so much time. <clears throat> Wait, so someone in the chat just said, sounds like a parasocial relationship wrapped up in crypto buzzwords. Absolutely. Except they're not buzzwords. These are real dynamics, parasocial relationships. It's just social capital. Look, here's one of my larger, bigger theses. Social capital has always been exchanged, obviously, right? We know from people like Pierre Bourdieu and the analysts of social capital as a, as a, uh, as a phenomenon in sociology, that social capital is real, right? If you know, famous, powerful people that is worth real money in some ways, people will in, in one way or another pay to be closer to you, to be closer to the people who have power and money, right? So who you're friends with, who your network is, uh, yeah, it social capital is real. It has real economic value. And everyone has always known this. Everyone has always behaved accordingly. But what we have now for the first time ever is a way to essentially measure it and formalize it. And that's where things are going to get wild. Okay, so it's not crypto buzzwords. It's rather crypto is giving formalization and embodiment and, and the ability to calculate and be precise and efficient about something that has always up until now been repressed and taboo and, and very inefficient to calculate and inefficient to share. So absolutely, I'm going to be monetizing my social capital, 100%. And let's be honest, when you pay into someone's Patreon or you, you know, you whenever you, when in all of these various internet activities that people do nowadays where they try to be closer to someone else in any way, it is essentially angling for social capital, you know, uh, in, in some ways like my patrons are paying me for a little bit of my social capital already. That is kind of how it works in, to some degree. Of course, some of them just want to support me, but um, there is always that kind of social capital exchange regardless. So what the social tokens are going to let us do is to actually quantify it and formalize it. And what I'm saying is that this is really good for the audience members or the community members, because with Patreon, you, you're just giving me a few bucks each month and you don't get anything out of it. But if I succeed because of your donations, then you should get something out of it. And if I can make you a bit of money when I make money, then we both win. And that just makes both of us more motivated and makes everything better for both of us, right? So that's just way more exciting. It's way more fair. It's way more interesting. And it's ultimately way more powerful. Like if you want to build up, uh, if you have a cultural project like I do, you have a vision of what's wrong in society and you want to speak truth to power and you want to you want to take over the culture like I do, then this is incredibly powerful because what it means is I want to be able to let other people into my operation pretty much. Like if people understand my vision and they want to take part in it and they want to contribute to it, I want them to get paid. I want them to get paid out of my machinery. That's what this is all about. That's what social tokens in principle are going to let you do. Now, again, you can debate, you can question, is the time right? Is it possible yet? Are we too early? Um, I don't know. Only time will tell, but this is absolutely the longer term possibility. I think it's undeniable. I think it's inevitable. And the only question is when the only question is how long until we're there. And I don't know. I look at people like the whale token. I look at the FWB token. I look at people like the Alex token. And I think that 
the time might very well be now. Or if it's not now, maybe it's two years, maybe it's three years. But hell, if it's three years, I'm going to be ready because I'm going to be investing in these infrastructures now. So that's my long rant on crypto and why I'm launching a social token. And I'm not ready to do it quite yet, but it's happening. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. If you're a patron, um, you're going to get in on this for sure. I'm going to hook you up. And uh, the, the, the I, I alluded before about... Um, two things that I haven't talked about publicly yet, but I might as well just drop it now is one thing is that ultimately I'm going to leave Patreon. Uh, where this goes is essentially getting off of Patreon. I just don't like the platform. I, I think there's a lot that's crappy about it. It's it's clunky to use. It's annoying. And frankly, I just don't want donations. Like I'm a hustler. I'm making value. I'm building businesses and I'm fucking winning. So I don't really, it's not really appropriate to take donations anymore. It doesn't feel right. I don't want donations. I don't need. I don't need donations, and I don't think it's the best way for content creators to build their their culture and their their communities and their operations. Um, but please, if you're if you're a patron, please do hang. Please do stay. Don't just quit right away. Because uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the social token as an opportunity to basically one, pay back my patrons and give them a stake that can grow in value as I grow in value in gratitude for their for the real support that they gave and the real. Um, role that they played in making me who I am for real. I take that seriously. I'm grateful for that. And I want to give back to it in a real way uh, that can, that can grow in value as I grow in value. Um, and I'm going to use that to pretty much end the patron donor type of relationship. And now the people that are currently my patrons are basically going to become investors in me and they're going to own us. They're going to own a little, a little stake in me and my operations. And if I continue to succeed, then they will uh, be handsomely rewarded for their early investment in, you know, whatever they saw in me. So yes, I'm going to basically get off Patreon um, or sometime over the next few months. I'm not sure when, uh, like I said, if you're a patron, I'd appreciate it if you don't just, you know, say, oh, Justin's closing down his Patreon. I'm getting out now. Uh, please do stay on. Uh, it's 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 not a huge chunk of my chain of my income, but um, it's enough that uh it would hurt a little bit if, if it were to disappear overnight. So please stay on. And yeah, I'm going to uh, give you a good little stake of my social token when I when I launch it. And yeah, so that's that. I'm going to get off Patreon. But here's the other thing. Number two, my Discord server. We have to talk about my Discord server. It's gone to shit. And that's my fault. I've neglected it. I like to do a ton of things. I experiment wildly. I'm always looking for the next cool thing to do that's valuable for for my community and because of that i'm just i move fast and i don't always circle back to clean up things that need to be cleaned up and that's my fault that's my mistake uh but this totally happened with the discord server once i started building so basically the discord server is is fine it's interesting there are some cool people in there for sure there's also a lot of losers in there and a lot of like nasty people and it's kind of just become a cesspool honestly um there are good people in there who i know and and like and respect so um but there are they're just i don't i don't half of the people in there i don't know what they're all about i don't know them and there's like a good number of people in there that are just like toxic trolls and look the truth is i don't want to i don't want to be moderating like these people i don't even know where i have indie thinkers which is a profitable community with like super smart people like Nina Power and Angela Nagel and Jeffrey Schellenberger and Emmett Penny and like legit bloggers and thinkers and podcasters and like Barrett Abner. Like I'm working alongside with other people in a legit community of serious, ambitious, intelligent people working on their own creative projects. 
I'm giving all of my time and attention to that community and making it awesome. So it's like, if you want to be a part of me and my community, you got to go to indie thinkers and you have to have like a real project. Um, and if you don't have one, maybe I can help you, but you got to have something you're really working on. Uh, once I started building that, I just started neglecting dis the discord server because the discord server is just, um, there never really was a purpose to it. There never really was like, I just kind of did it because other creators were doing that and it seemed to be a nice thing to offer patrons. Um, and then, yeah, it's my fault, but I, I kind of just lost track of it and I had to really focus on, you know, the things that I could build into something bigger. So now indie thinkers is my community and the discord is just like a weird, uh, hangover, a, a thing I left around, but it's a total mess and it's very weird. And, uh, I like how weird it is. And it, and it, it was a fun experiment. Like, uh, it's been a cool, interesting archive for sure. There's a lot of wacky stuff in there and on net, like, I'm glad I did it. I think it was a cool, it was a cool cultural kind of space for a little while, but. Um, I just don't identify with it anymore. Whenever I log in there, I'm kind of like half terrified. Um, I don't want to put in time into like moderating a bunch of people I don't even know. And uh, it's not that valuable for anyone. So I'm just going to be getting rid of the Discord server. Um, I mean, if some of you are like love the Discord server uh, and you like, tell me, I mean, if, if like 10 people emailed me after this said, Justin, I love the Discord server. I go there every day. I get a lot of value out of it. Please don't shut it down. I'll be really sad. Like if 10 people tell me that, okay, I'll leave it. That's fine. I'd, uh, but I'm assuming, I'm pretty sure my diagnosis of it is like, no one really cares. No one really gets that much value out of it. There's a lot of nasty people and kind of weird people. And not that weird is bad. You know, I like weird, but there's like bad weird and there's good weird. You know what I mean? So uh, that's my sense. So basically the Patreon and the Discord are going to go away, not immediately, but I'm going to wind them out. And uh uh, yeah, Cam, Jacob, what's up? Jacob in the house says, Chamomile TV says, uh, nobody loves the Discord server. Yes, that's that's my inference. So, so look, this is me. I'm 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 uh, cleaning up loose ends. I'm tying up loose ends. Uh, the Discord server is going to go away. The Patreon is going to go away, and I am going to phase out both of them into essentially what will be a a small advisory board of what are informal investors, pretty much. So I'm going to convert my patrons into uh holders of my social token and i'm probably going to create a new private chat channel of some kind uh whether that be a fresh discord or that be maybe a telegram channel or something like that um i'll, I'll probably do something where there's just you know if you want to support my work and you want to kind of hold some equity informally in what i'm doing then uh, I'll create some kind of space where I'll check in with you and I'd love to hear your opinion. And hopefully I could actually get to know people and have a healthy, healthy kind of uh, exchange or ongoing. My dream personally, what I would really love when I really think about like where all this goes. And again, I'm cautious and optimistic. I'm optimistic, but I'm also cautious and realistic about the social token phenomenon. I mean, I see people like Whale and FWB, you know, those social tokens are trading for real money, um, like real US dollars. So in my ideal vision, um, my social token will actually be worth real money so that, uh, if you hold it, you know, you could cash it out for like $10,000 that, that that's like my dream that you'll have enough of my social token that you could cash it out for $10,000, but you're actually choosing to hold on to it because you believe in me and you think I'm going to be bigger and better. And you think in 20 years, that's that 10,000 is going to be worth, uh, you know, 200,000 that that's my dream. That's where I want to get. And so. I, and again, I, I don't know. We'll see. It's, th this is always uncertain. I'm not, I'm, I'm certainly not, you know, preaching to you. 
I'm 100% confident this is going to work and here's how it's going to work. And uh, you're going to have $10,000 worth of my token. No, no, who knows? I don't know. Maybe it's not going to work well. Um, but I see some people doing it and it's working. So if they can do it, I think I can do it. And here's the thing, folks. Here's the other thing. I have a genuine value proposition. I have essentially two businesses. I have Other Life, which is a media business at this point, essentially a small media operation. And I have Indie Thinkers, which is a private membership business. They're different brands, they're different businesses, and they're both profitable. So this is something not a lot of creators have to stand on. They don't have like actually functioning profitable businesses um, to back the, the token. So I think that's an edge that I have. Um, and it's, it's one of the reasons why I think I can do this in a way that is perhaps more legit and impactful than, than others. And, uh, yeah, so basically that's my dream. My dream is where, like, if you support me from the early days, like you're on my Patreon and like, I know you and you are a thoughtful person who wants to be part of what I'm doing and you just want to, you know, stay in touch and be up to speed on what I'm doing. And you want to help me and, and in turn, you want, you want to benefit from my projects as they develop and you want to so want to be a part of it. My, what I'm thinking is I'm going to convert my patrons into what are essentially small investors. And then I'll just have like one calm, simple place where we can all talk and uh, maybe private message back and forth uh, at whatever rate we want. But it's not going to be this thing where like I'm constantly hustling to like give you benefits and give you like early access to podcasts. And uh, I'm going to give you like, you know, uh, these like rewards every month, like that whole hustle, that whole Patreon thing is dumb, I think, frankly. And, uh, it's just, I'm doing very valuable other things and it's just not a good use of my time. And I don't think it's really that valuable to you all. Like I'd rather just give you an actual equity share or an informal kind of, uh, placeholder or an informal version of that. And, uh, that is the promise that I see with social tokens. So yeah. Um, I want to do something where like, I'm not doing a lot of labor to like give you things, but it's just like, no, if I succeed and I keep winning, then you're going to succeed and you're going to win, uh, to the degree that you own a share of my token. And other than that, we'll just be in touch. We'll have a private little space to be in touch. And I'll have to kind of think of you all as like my advisory board, uh, and a kind of informal, like a little informal distributed, um, advisory board that represents, you know, my, my friends, my colleagues my fans and just interested parties who believe in what I'm doing. So that's a bit of a long rant. I know it's a bit convoluted. It's a bit unclear, but I'm just being honest with you. That's, that's how I see things. I'm just kind of giving you the, the larger vision that I think is possible and how I'm thinking about it and what I'd like to do. And we'll see if I can do it. So stay tuned. <clears throat> All right. What else we got? All right. We got some other questions I was asked. Um, someone asked me, will the token be for other life or indie thinkers? Um, the way I generally think about my operations is that other life is m the more experimental and wild operation. Whereas indie thinkers is a more traditional business that I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit more conservative with indie thinkers. That's why I made it as a separate brand. Cause you all know me, I'm a bit of a wild man. Sometimes I say wild stuff and you know what, if, if I get to a point in 10 years where like, I'm actually, I'm actually the head of like a massive media operation that's making a ton of money, then, then in that case, you know, if I tweet something really nuclear, it could be, it could, it could create massive shockwaves, like more massive and and difficult to handle than anything I've experienced before. And I would hate for some kind of big provocative idea of mine or some bad tweet of mine or something like that to totally send my entire 
business operation into a tailspin. So what I've done is I've, that, that's why I've taken so much time and effort to build what are basically two different brands. It's to create a kind of firewall. So other life is going to be the place where I continue to be me and continue to go full throttle on my most wild and passionate ideas and seek the truth as wildly and provocatively as possible. That's all other life. That's my own thing. That's whatever the fuck I want at all times unconditionally. That's what other life is. Um, indie thinkers is a separate thing where uh, I'm running it like a responsible CEO, basically where I'm, I'm, I, it's all about providing value to the members who are paying for something specific that I am uh, trying to give to them in better and better ways. And I'm responsible to them and I respect them. And it's all about them. Indie thinkers is all about the paying members. It's not about me at all. And other life is all about me basically. And I don't give a fuck what people think. So that's why I've made two different businesses basically. And look, to be honest, it's um, at a lot of cost. Like I would be way fucking bigger right now as a content creator if I didn't do this really, really thoughtful, time consuming and difficult strategy like it it's no secret that running two businesses growing two businesses is literally twice twice the work so if i just did other life and went full throttle on my own content i'd be way bigger i'd have way more followers and and all of that good stuff um but i don't think i'd be as as big in the long run i don't think i'd be safe as safe and as promising and as stable in the long run i think now that i have other life and indie thinkers as two separate brands i have uh diversified and de-risked my my operation so i only need one of them to go really big for me to crush it and there's some chance they both go really big and then i really fucking crush it and uh there's many uh, situations in which one gets destroyed by some kind of unexpected tail risk for some reason i can't anticipate and then i'll still win because i have the other one so that's why i've done all that and uh, right, the question being, will the token be for other life or indie thinkers? Right, I was giving you this as background to say that uh, other life is always the more experimental thing where I'm going to do things first. So it's like my sandpit. It's my it's my firewalled petri dish to be crazy and try wild things and be constantly inventing and reinventing and 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 trying new things that may or may not work. So the social token is going to be for other life uh, completely. Of course, it's gonna. Here's the thing with community, though, and networks. They're intrinsically, you know, overlapping. Intrinsically, like many of the people in Indie Thinkers know about me through other life and were originally patrons, and then they decided to be uh, to join Indie Thinkers because they wanted to do their own work and be a part of a higher value, like more focused, um, productive type of uh, enterprise. So <clears throat> there's definitely overlap, um, but to answer the question concretely the the token will be specifically branded around other life just for other life uh because i want to see if it works because if it doesn't work then it's not the end of the world um other life is very experimental i want to try lots of things only some of them are going to work um indie thinkers i don't want to launch something unless i'm really confident that it's going to work and it's going to provide like direct uh appreciable value to the members who are paying for it so basically uh if i do the token for other life and it works and it really takes off and it's people like it and it's creating real value and it's actually worth something. Then in that case, I would consider doing another one for indie thinkers. I mean, if this really, if this phenomenon really takes off, then I could do a separate one for indie thinkers. I think that could make a ton of sense. I do think, you know, there we could see a future in the not too distant future where basically every private community has its own social token. And that's just how it works. And they they overlap and they're exchanged across, across communities. 
by the way, you know where this goes in the long run is making your own country. And this is what Balaji basically is on about. The Balaji Srinivasan. Uh, I really like him, really admire him. Uh, we're, we're, we're friendly and I take his ideas on this very seriously. I respect his ideas on this. Um, you can easily imagine a situation where a social token becomes valuable enough and it is the, it is the currency that is traded within a, a tight-knit community to the degree that that community can essentially make its own country first in the cloud and then it can start buying real estate and actually become a, a, its own country in a more territorial sense. I, I'm super interested in that vision. And you know, you also look at people who are doing smart cities and, and charter cities. Look at this guy Dryden. Um, shit, I forget his last name. I think Dryden Brown, I think it is. Anyway, his project is called Blue Book Cities. Um, it's it's a visionary idea. I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna work. I don't know what the probabilities are, but he's actually gonna do the podcast soon. He'll be on the podcast. This guy is basically trying to make um, autonomous city. Um, and I don't completely understand his, his vision, but just look up blue book cities and yeah, he's going to come on the podcast. He's going to tell me all about it. So I'm super, super interested in this stuff. I think, I think at least some of it is really going to take off. All right. What else we got? <clears throat> all right. I think someone asked me what will be the value of the Murphy coin. Um, I think I've explained that amply. I've been talking about that all night. Um, let's see what else we got. Um, at what point would I consider myself uncensorable, uncancelable? Uh, already, I'm totally uncensorable. I have no, I'm not responsible to anyone. I'm not, no, no, there's literally no one who could cancel me. The only thing that could happen to me is if the payment processors were to, for some reason, care about me, but I'm way too small. You know, that only happens to people like Alex Jones. I'm nowhere near the kind of uh, level that anyone would really care at that sort of, um, at that kind of bottleneck with the bottleneck of the payment processors. I'm just not big enough. So, and I'm also not bad enough. Like I'm, I'm like super vanilla. I don't even, I mean, I have some provocative tweets here and there, but my actual philosophies and theories are pretty vanilla. I mean, in terms of like political, pol in terms of politics, like I'm not that political. I think my ideas are pretty good and far out, but uh, my my politics are are, are kind of boring. Uh, I'm apolitical for the most part. I'm post-political. So no, I don't, I, I would say I'm already completely uncensorable uh, because I own all my platforms. I have multiple channels. So they'd have to literally kick me off of all of my channels and the payment processors for me to be like in any way stopped from doing what I want to do. And I'm just nowhere near the size where that would make any sense. So I'm, I consider myself completely uncensorable. I don't, I don't worry about that. Someone asks, what is the value of my brand? It's a great question. It's hard to know. I mean, I would think, <clears throat> altogether, I would think at least $100 million over in 10 years, in the next 10 years, maybe. Uh, I think that's, I think I would only really need to keep doing what I'm doing and scale it at a, moderately successful level to hit a total brand value of about a hundred million in yeah, 10 years about, I mean, a good comparison here would be like barstool sports. I mean, of course I'm very different. I have a very different project, totally different type of niche and demographic and different type of character, uh, for sure. But it's a really good, it's a really good comparison just to fix some ideas and fix some numbers. Um, that barstool sports was worth somewhere around 500 million. And it took Dave Portnoy about 15 years to build it. So like from scratch, 
from nothing in this really, really independent, scrappy way, basically. So, and, and it's a media business. So I have a media business. I'm extremely independent and scrappy. I, I'm smart. I work really fucking hard and I already have profitable operations. So pretty much all of the fundamentals are validated. In fact, I probably got to decent profitability before Dave Portnoy did relatively in his, in his journey. And although it's very different operations, the, there are a lot of, there are actually a few similarities. One is that he's a loose cannon. I'm a loose cannon. Uh, he's extremely independent and doesn't care what people say. And, you know, if he believes in something, he's going to work super hard on it for a long time. I'm the same exact way. I'm not bragging. And by the way, I'm just temperamentally like it's, it's clearly who I am. And I've, I've been doing this for a couple of years now. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I already have two different brands that are both essentially profitable and I'm doing it all by myself. So I think, yeah, give me 10 years. If Dave Portnoy could get to, you know, uh, 500 million in about 10 years, I think I could get to at least 100 million over 10 years. Another way to think about this would be like, um, you know, think about maybe some of you don't know how businesses are a value or value valued. So like one way to do it is basically a revenue multiple. So, um, you basically like three or somewhere between three to five times annual revenue is roughly, uh, a measure of, of what something is worth of what a business is worth. So if you take my operations, even just right now in 2021, I'd say there's a 90% chance I'm going to do at least, I would say the lower bound would be 60,000 revenue total for all my operations in 2021. I'd say, I'd say that's the worst I could do. I'm, I'm, I'm ambitious and hopeful I'm going to do, uh, more like 80 is kind of my, my more ambitious goal, but I think I'll do 60 at least. And so even just that, if you take 60,000 and you know, well, do the math real quick. One, two, even that just times five, that's already 300,000, right? So <clears throat> probably could have done that in my head, but, uh, so arguably my brand is already worth almost half a million. Almost, I'm getting there into in like a year, probably at a year from now, I bet you, you know, if I do, let's see, if I do 80, if I do 80,000 in revenue this year, then yeah, that's 400,000. So arguably my, my brand right now, my, my, my overarching brand, let's, let's call it the, the Murphy holding company for other life and indie thinkers, arguably that's worth about 300,000 maybe 400,000 right now already. So almost half a million. And that's only one year, one and a half years outside of academia. So yeah, look, I have a ton of energy and I'm smart and I like, I'm just confident. I mean, if I can like, I already have the fundamentals down and that's the hard part. So give me 10 years to scale this shit. And, uh, I'm, I'm confident. I don't know. So what, what do you want to value it at? I don't know. Um, but I would say, I would say at least, um, yeah, why not? Why not a hundred million in ten years? I think that's I think that's a healthy goal. Um, here's another way to think about this. Another comparison case. Look at someone like David Perel. Uh, this is a very interesting guy. Uh, I he's built a very fascinating and impressive business. The guy teaches writing. He has a writing school. Okay, basically one flagship course. Really, it's a it's a writing course. Except it's not really about writing. It's about a combination of writing 
and networking and building an audience. Okay. And he's a smart guy for sure, but he's not, you know, he's not like a PhD. He's not like, you know, he, ne he never like wrote a big book or anything like he's just a smart guy, a creative guy, a hardworking guy who saw the value of writing on the internet and packaged it in a powerful, compelling way. And then he's done multiple cohorts, makes it a little bit better each time, makes it a little more expensive each time. Uh, David Perel is doing uh, somewhere, and this is public, I think I, I'm not like betraying confidences or anything. Uh, you could piece this together from things he said publicly. Um, he does somewhere like a hundred, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. He does something like a million a year in revenue. Um, all right, so think about that. I'm already doing, a, I'm probably in 2021 going to hopefully do 300,000 at least. Uh, I'm sorry, no, that's valuation. But uh, David's doing uh, a million in revenue, right? So I'm only doing like 60,000 in revenue um, in 2021, maybe 80 if, if, I, if, I'm, if, I, if I'm lucky. Uh, David is doing, he's been doing this only a few years longer than me. Uh, well, a, a good handful of years longer than me, but I think only like not more than five, I don't think. Uh, and he's doing 1 million in revenue a year, okay? So at a five time revenue multiple, his, you know, his, his operation is, is, you know, worth something like 5 million. He could, he could possibly sell it for 5 million. By the way, this might be like very rough numbers. I don't, I'm not like quoting him. I don't know. Don't, don't quote me or whatever, but um, these are very ballpark numbers that I'm playing with just from what I've pieced together. Okay. So David Perel, very smart guy, very creative guy. I admire him a lot. What he's built is very impressive. Um, but he's like, um, well, how do I put this? Like, I can definitely do that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I'm doing something slightly different, similar in, in many ways, but it's like his example is very powerful and it's very compelling because it's it's realistic, in other words. He built it from scratch and uh, I'm building something from scratch. And so in other words, if you use this as a comparison case, if David Perel can do a million a year um, and he's a few years ahead of me, I'm pretty sure I can get to a million a year in revenue in the next few years. I just don't see why not. I mean. If I can do 80,000 in 2021 and then I just scale for like three years at, um, you know, if it doubles, yeah, I mean, it only, it only, need, I only need to, I only need to double revenue annually, uh, two years, right. To, to crack a million in revenue. Wait, am I getting this wrong? No, sorry. I'm my, it's late and I've been talking for like an hour. Let me, uh, do the math real quick. So yeah, if I do 60,000 in 2021, right. And then um, I double that the next year. Yeah, no, so that's that's um, 120,000, uh, right? So no, it would it would need to more than double. But I think I could more than double because really all you need to, all you need to do is basically if you're growing your audience at the same time and you're increasing prices at the same time, uh, and that's kind of like what David Perel did. Like he has this like hockey stick thing going on now, and I'm I think I can get there. So yeah, basically, I think I think I could get to plausibly i think i could get to a million in revenue maybe like plausibly in three years um more likely maybe four or five you know but look if it takes me five years to get to a million in revenue yearly then uh in the following five years yeah i could get to 100 fuck yeah i mean that's that's what i think so obviously it's it's all speculative. Uh, I would never, you know, super promise this, but uh, I think these types of numbers are not crazy. To be perfectly honest with you, I personally prefer the 
incremental attitude. Like I, I genuinely, I genuinely on a day-to-day basis, like to think modestly. Like I like to think what's the next move, what's the next step up, what's the opportunity that is uh, most compellingly available to me. That's most interesting and attractive and, and that excites me personally. And I try to just go from there. So look, honestly, like these are all possibilities, but you never fucking know. And I don't like, I don't like hype. I don't like talking shit. The truth is like, it's kind of, I, I never do these mental exercises. I never really do this kind of number calculation. I've never really thought like, what is the value of my brand? I just kind of did this on the back of the napkin just now. Cause someone asked me, but I just want to be able to feed my family and have a couple kids with my wife. And I want them to have everything they need. And I want to be free to write. I want to be free to think and read and write and speak what I think and, and, and publish into the world, what I believe and what I think. And I want to make discoveries. You know, I want to, I want to seek the truth and I want to figure things out and I want to publish them and I want to have impact for sure. I want to shape the culture. No doubt. I I, am motivated to, to really shape the culture, but I'm not, you know, um, I've never been very motivated by money. So if, you know, if in 10 years I'm only making a hundred thousand dollars a year, that's fine. I can live frugally. And, but if, in a, if in 10 years I'm making a hundred thousand, um, if in 10 years I'm only making a hundred thousand dollars a year and, but with good, good margins, a lot of, most of that being profit, um, I would be perfectly, it, I'd be perfectly happy as long as I'm mostly spending my time reading, writing, thinking, speaking. So yeah, I think that's a healthy attitude. It's like, I have very, very realistic, lower bar, lower expectations. So I'm like completely braced to only be making a hundred thousand a year, maybe 150,000 a year in 10 years. If that's all I'm earning, let's, let's say in profit in earnings for me, if it's only a hundred thousand in earnings for me and my family in 10 years, but I'm spending most of, but all the business stuff is automated. All the rest is, is kind of handled, or I have a couple assistants or whatever. And I spend all of my time reading, writing, thinking, teaching, speaking. I will be so completely happy. That is an amazing life. You know, everyone knows this happiness, the effect of money on happiness decreases from around like $75,000, the marginal effect decreases. So, so adding an extra dollar on top of 75,000 a year, uh, has less and less effect on your happiness. Everyone knows this. So yes, Jacob will buy me a barrel for Christmas and I will be, I will be like Diogenes, my, my true role model. So to me, this is the healthiest way to think about it is you want a super, super conservative, realistic floor where you're 99.9% confident, certain that you're going to be able to hit that. And I'm absolutely confident. I'm going to make at least a hundred thousand dollars or $150,000 in earnings uh, within 10 years. That's without a doubt. I would have to be really stupid or like get addicted to heroin or something like that to, to not hit that. So have super, super low, realistic, lower expectations and be prepared for those. So if that's all that ever happens, I'll be completely happy mentally and I'll be prepared for it materially. But then it's good to aim for the stars, of course, you know, um, it's fun thinking about what's the maximum my brand could be worth. If I, if I tried really hard to take it to the moon and I succeeded, you know, there are some people in the chat saying, you know, to talk about my brand being worth a hundred million, calling that hype. A few people are calling that hype. No, it's not hype. It's just the more ambitious end of the confidence interval, right? So it's completely plot. It's completely possible. Uh, look at barstool sports that, that way. Here's the other thing you have to understand people is that 
owning a media company is a unique kind of company. It's one of the most powerful types of companies because if you own media, then you can do almost anything with it. You can pivot in any number of different directions. So like other life as a media company, who knows what it'll become? It could become any number of different things. I could pivot into certain areas. I could focus on certain areas. I could rebrand and pivot. And if I decided at a certain point, okay, I just want to play CEO and, and take this to the moon as a media business, start doing paid advertising, start doing hyper-targeted uh, kind of messaging, uh, refine the message and, and, and all of that good stuff. Like that would be a totally different beast than what it is now, which is like whatever the fuck Justin Murphy feels like doing. It's still, that's all it's ever been. And it still is all it is. And it's like pretty badass. It's modestly influential, modestly profitable. And it's literally just whatever the fuck Justin Murphy feels like talking about. The fact that it's as successful as it is when it's literally, there's no message, there's no like mission. There's no very compelling tagline or niche that it's like catering to other than like the people that like the things I like. Uh, it's pretty damn successful for that, for that, for that being what it is. I could just decide to make it something more purposeful and business oriented, and I could take it to the moon way easier. Probably now, I don't know if I want to do that, but uh, my point is if you think a hundred million uh, valuation in 10 years is crazy, like you don't understand media businesses. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's that. <clears throat> what else? All right, folks, I think I'm done. I'm done. Thank you for hanging out. I haven't been on the live stream in a while. Just did an hour and 24 minutes. So uh, there you go. Thanks for hanging out. Hope you found something here interesting. It's getting kind of late here. It's actually, uh, ooh, it's 1030 here and I'm yelling. My wife is probably getting tired and wants to wonder, is probably wondering what I'm doing. So yeah, subscribe to the channel. Like this shit. Reply. Tell me what you think. If you think I'm, if you think I'm a hype artist. If you want to get in on my social token. Uh, yeah, if you have any feedback, please let me know. Uh, thanks thanks for those of you in the chat who are, uh, you know, you, you're picking up what I'm putting down. It's just a bit of a, it's all speculative. Who knows? But it is, it's good to do. I never really think about these things, honestly. I go one step at a time and I just try to think like, I just try to, yeah, go one step at a time, work hard. And I try to improve everything a little bit each day, each week. But it's fun to think, it's fun to think what's possible. And honestly, this is one of the reasons why I'm eager to move back to a city for a, a bit longer is because when you're one of the real drawbacks of living in isolation is it's just, you know, it's hard to be really ambitious. It's hard to be really motivated because the fact is one of the reasons why cities are evil and degenerate is that everyone is competing to impress each other and dominate each other. And that is degenerate and evil, but it's hella motivating. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you're like outside of society and you're living in the wilderness, like I am right now in Montana, it's peaceful, it's beautiful, it's calm. But even me who I'm like, I'm pretty ambitious. I'm pretty, I'm pretty productive. I'm, I'm pretty hardworking. I know that I'm just, since I've been out here, I'm just, I'm, I know that I'm not operating at my highest. I know I'm not thinking as big as I could be. I know I'm not. I know that I'm not doing the most I can do with my gifts. And on some level, that is always a kind of betrayal and arguably even a sin. And so, yeah, I'm hungry. And I'm I'm eager to see if 
moving back to a city, if I immediately am like, oh yeah, I remember why I fucking hate cities and they're horrible and disgusting and degenerate and evil. And I feel disgusted with myself even being here. And I feel constantly pulled into bad manners of thought and, and lecherous, unwholesome frames of mind. Or if I'm going to kind of, you know, maybe that, maybe that's not as bad as I let it feel like in my head when I was living in cities for so many years. And uh, the main thing I'm hoping to get, and we'll see, the main thing I'm hoping to get is uh, more uh, stimulation, inspiration, and more healthy kind of social social pressure and challenges, um, which are, I think, the main reason why. I mean, I've been working really hard, honestly. Like, I haven't, I haven't had any problem with that. It's more like, I just don't feel motivated to think big. I don't feel motivated to be really confident. I don't think, I don't feel motivated to, like, really be aiming for the stars when you're like in isolation and i feel like i could do some big things so i feel like i owe it to myself and my community to you know get back in the mix with like movers and shakers and and try to make some more valuable relationships maybe uh some more powerful co collaborations possibly and uh and just yeah think bigger and and try to get into the habit of of thinking of my operations on these larger scales that i'm kind of speculating about now it just doesn't come naturally when you're when you're out in the wilderness, you know, like I show up to work each day, I drag myself to the desk and I work hard and I am doing the things I need to be doing. But like, it's just hard to really convince yourself of like, Oh yeah, I could build a massive media business like from the wilderness. You know, I need to be like, maybe I don't need to be, but maybe I just want to be talking with and hanging out with and, and discussing and strategizing with other people who are kind of doing something similar, uh, who are like super ambitious and competent and, and do it and crushing it in their own way. So yeah, I'm looking forward to hopefully meeting more people like that. And I think it will be good for me. I think it will be good for, um, for my operations and, uh, we'll see. I think it'll just be good for my wife and I also, cause you know, my wife is even, you know, she needs, I think she, I do better with isolation than she does. I kind of like the peace and quiet and, and not talking and not like seeing a person for weeks. I can do that much more manageably than she can. Most people can't, so it's not blaming her for anything. Uh, it can it messes with your head. So yeah, I think on the whole, we'll be healthier, happier. Well, we'll at least be happier in the short term. Will we be healthier? Time will tell. I'm still very wary, and I still think cities can have extremely deleterious and degenerate effects on you and your, especially your marriage and your relationships. I think it can be really bad. But we've been together for seven years now, and. We have, we're very, very solid, I think. And uh, I think we can withstand the, the degenerate forces of the, of, the, of the metropole and hopefully benefit from the good aspects of it. Anyway, like I said, please subscribe. I hope you like that and reply if you want to. And yeah, subscribe to the newsletter if you really want to keep updates on me. Uh, that's where I, I publish every, every Saturday morning. So yeah, I'm doing a bunch of courses this year. And, uh, yeah, you can sign up for any of those. If you want to just get the, get the, get the updates, you can learn more about them. Just check out the links, doing a course on Strauss, doing a course on data science and, uh, doing a course also on a surprise. I haven't announced that yet. So yeah, stay tuned. All right. Hopefully I'll be doing more live streams. We'll see. Thanks everyone. Especially my patrons out there. You're the shit. Appreciate you. All right, everyone. See you later. Oh, and if you have a question that you want me to address on my next live stream, there's a link. Just leave me a question. I'll try to I'll try to respond to it. All right, everyone. Later.
Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, you should send it to a friend. Just email it to them or post it on your social networks, whatever. And to learn more about what we discussed in this podcast or to send me questions to address in future episodes, please just go to otherlife.co and you'll find everything there. There's actually a ton of cool stuff on there, so check it out if you haven't already. Thanks again, folks. See you here next time.